0: And welcome back to another Ladies Who Law School podcast episode. I'm Sam. And I'm Haley. And this week's episode is sponsored by Barcast Audio. So we have a very exciting announcement for you, 1Ls and 2Ls. So Barcast Audio just came out with the 1L subscription package. So have you ever been like on the way to class and you're thinking, Wow, you know, I should have read like way more in depth, but I had 19 cases to think about. I wonder what would make my cold call easier if If I was to get cold called, well, we have the solution. Barcast now has over 300 audio case briefs along with printable briefs too. So you can kill your cold called and be prepared literally every single day of class. That's exactly right.
1: Use the link in our show notes to get your first month free of the 1L subscription that Barcast Audio is now offering. Guys, this is one-of-a-kind service that you can have on the go. And just like Samantha said, this is your perfect opportunity to be prepared for any cold call that might come your way. All right, guys, please help me welcome our guest, Ms. Dana Shaker. Hi, Dana. How are you?
2: I'm doing well. How are you doing today? We're doing good. So tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. So my name is Dana. Um, I am a lawyer. Uh, I also work as a policy consultant full-time and I am a yoga and wellness teacher uh, on the side. I have a yoga and wellness business for lawyers, law students, bar exam takers. So uh, a little bit of everything at this point.
1: That's awesome. So tell us, where did you go to undergrad and what did you get your degree in?
2: Yeah. So I went to um, Scripps College in Claremont, California. Um, There are uh, five schools uh, that are sort of right at the, you know, at the bottom of LA. So I went to uh, Scripps um, and I studied sociocultural anthropology. um, So really loved the study of people and cultures and how people interact with one another. Um, And that's actually what kind of led me to law school um, because I was really interested in sort of how we could um, better kind of create policy, you know, based on how people interact with one another, what we really need, sort of that that studying up, you know, mentality kind of like, you know, looking, you know, from, from the grassroots perspective. So that's actually what sort of led me to the law school path eventually, um, but still love sort of identity studies and, and people and cultures on that level as well.
0: So when did you decide like, okay, I'm going to apply to law school, like, let's do this. I'm going to take the
2: LSAT. Yeah, so it was in my junior year. Um, I At the time, I wasn't sure whether I wanted to pursue a PhD in anthropology or go to law school. And I had taken a couple of anthropology classes with um, with somebody who was very focused on policy. And so I watched uh, this professor fly to DC and, you know, she got to like be in on all of these really cool conversations. And a lot of her research was used um, on the ground level to actually, you know, make sort of implementable change that for me, I was sort of really more excited about than sort of the academic researchy side of things where I wasn't sure whether what I was doing would actually be implemented. And so I thought, you know what? I really want to you know, go into this more of policy space. And I started thinking about law school because I thought that the, the legal tools that I would get in law school would really help me um, in a policy space. Um, so it was around my junior year and I, I made that decision, decided to take the LSAT and then apply.
1: Awesome. So how many schools did you apply to and you know, what was your LSAT experience like?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I don't remember at this point, <laughs> um, no worries. but it was, but it was a number. Um, and you know, it's interesting because the, the LSAT I remember was tough. Um, I'm somebody who has always been, uh, you know, somebody who's kind of, who had to work through standardized tests a little more, like some, it kind of comes like easier for some people, harder for others. Um, it's always been something that's a little bit harder for me. Um, but I remember, you know, taking it and, you know, working my way through it, um, picking a good time in the semester to take it so I wasn't like you know trying to balance schoolwork and studying for the LSAT um and then you know just kind of move forward from there. Very cool. So where did you go to law school? I went to law school at Georgetown in uh, DC.
1: Awesome. So tell us you know a little bit about going to Georgetown and what it was like to go to law school in DC also tied into the policy, right? I'm sure that that was a great place to go. Did that have any influence on where you chose to go to law school?
2: Yeah. So, so it did. It absolutely did. So I had a very strong interest in the time and still do in food law and policy. And so um, at the time that I was applying, I was looking for programs that had strong sort of food policy and food law, um, you know, offerings. And um, Georgetown at the time was one of the strongest programs. Since then, there's been a bunch that have popped up. I know that Harvard has a great program now. Um, I think that there's some great programming out of Vermont Law School. On Nebraska, Um, and of course, I think UCLA has a a great program now too. But that was one of the main decisions for going to um, to DC and to Georgetown was because I saw the classes, I saw sort of like the journal opportunities and programs and things like that, Um, and it's really what I wanted to focus on. and interestingly, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. that I've had kind of a full circle journey because I started law school thinking, okay, I really want to focus on policy and legislation. And then I kind of took a detour in my law school world, um, as we tend to do, <laughs> um, where I tried everything else but policy and legislation um, and kind of came out of law school, um, you know, working for a firm and then kind of going through this process of realizing, you know what, I was sort of right, you know, a while ago that I wanted to do this thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, needed to kind of go through that, that own journey um, of sort of coming back to myself. So.
0: So while you were in law school, what were you involved in? What were some of your biggest accomplishments? Some of your struggles, perhaps?
2: Yeah, it's funny, because I think that for me, the, the sort of biggest accomplishments and struggles are two sides of the same coin so one of the things that i thought was one of my biggest accomplishments was sort of being very focused on my goal of practicing food law or being in the food policy space so i did everything i could to you know build that up on my resume so i was i was part of our food law society you know club on campus um i was fortunate enough to be editor-in-chief of our food and drug law journal in my third year um, i got to do really cool internships um, with the center for food safety in San Francisco, and the FTC, and they they have like a division of advertising practices that deals with false advertising claims. Oftentimes, deals with food and dietary supplement stuff. So that was really cool. Um, and it, you know, took classes that were related, and where I could do research projects. So all of that was super content based. But one of the biggest struggles um, that when I look back on it, you know, to say like, wow, this is a place where I could have been a little more self-aware was that I was trying all of these different areas of law that I kept sort of being like, this isn't quite for me. This isn't quite for me either. So, you know, as much as it was sort of like, okay, let's try, you know, litigation or let's try, you know, more corporate stuff. I kept sort of running into this, like, no, this isn't right for me. This isn't right for me either. And again, if I had just sort of come back to myself and said, hang on, you came here for policy. What's Not the straight law. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's interesting because on the one hand, you know, the biggest accomplishment I think for myself was that I was able to stay, you know, on my game in terms of the, the content, the area of specialty, but the struggle was that I kind of lost, you know, my, you know, my sort of internal compass, if you will, for the why I came there in the first place in terms of the actual work itself, um, and now I do work in policy and, and sort of like, you know, food and, uh, uh, you know, you can call it drug policy at the state level in, in California. So um, made that full circle back. But yeah, that's it's two sides of the same coin for me.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. And how was it being on the journal and being an editor? Did you feel ever that you had um, to be a manager in a sense? I've always wondered that
2: yeah so um so it definitely was I think it was my first um, real experience you know managerial experience I went straight from undergrad to to law school and so it was my first opportunity to really kind of manage a team we had about 40 students on the journal which is i mean it, it's it's small for some and, and big for others depending on you know your size um but it was a lot of fun that was Honestly, one of the most rewarding experiences I had. Um, and it was also really cool because the journal was relatively new. It was only in, it had only been sort of in existence, um, at least in that way, at the school for about three years. Um, and we had sort of an outside partnership with um, the Food and Drug Law Institute um, and then another center at Georgetown as well. So there was a lot of conversations, you know, from students, um, from the outside sort of institution, you know, from um, the school itself. Um, so it was really cool to kind of of, you know, be able to have managerial experience, but then also to be able to kind of network and and get to know other people in the space, um, which was another great, you know, perk of being on the journal, right? If you're interested in practicing in that area, you got an opportunity to really get to know professionals in that space as well.
0: We'll be right back. Hey guys, we want to take a moment to talk about something that has been a game changer for us busy lawyers, Audible.
1: Yes, Audible has been our go-to platform for incredible audiobooks, offering an extensive library of thrillers, nonfiction, autobiographies, and mysteries.
0: And guess what? We've got a special treat for you. Audible is offering a free trial to our listeners, and all you need to do is check the link in the show notes. It's the perfect opportunity to experience the magic of audiobooks without spending a dime.
1: Speaking of thrillers, I know you're currently hooked on Never Lie by Frida McFadden. Samantha, can you tell us a little bit about it?
0: Absolutely. The twists and turns in Never Lie have kept me on the edge of my seat during the workday and even when I'm on my daily walks. It's like having a suspenseful companion wherever I go. And for those looking
1: for some financial wisdom, I have been engrossed in My Money My Way by Kamuku Love. It's packed with practical advice on managing finances, perfect for anyone trying to navigate the complexities of money management.
0: What we love most is the flexibility Audible offers. As lawyers, our schedules can be unpredictable, but with Audible, we can enjoy our favorite books on the go whether we're stuck in traffic, hitting the gym, or waiting for a court hearing. So
1: if you're ready to embark on a literary journey and discover the joys of audiobooks, click the link in the show notes to start your free trial with Audible. Trust us, you won't want to miss out on this fantastic offer.
0: Oh, you mentioned some of your internships that you had during law school. Um, did, Did you go through OCI for those or what kind of process did you go through to get those internships?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I remember the first uh, internship I had was at the Center for Food Safety and it was in San Francisco, which was fun because it got to, you know, being on different coasts for that summer. Um, but that one, I think I just went through, um, you know, Georgetown's sort of career services office. Um, and there, it was great because there was um, an alum that I connected with who worked at the um, at the nonprofit. Um, so I got to kind of chat with her about her experience um, and then got to apply. Um, and then it, it's funny because she knew somebody who worked at the F. T.C. Um, and so that, that area where she was kind of like, you know, a lot of people don't think about this in terms of food law and you know what it actually looks like, but this is a great place to go if you're interested. Um, so I was just kind of like, Oh, that's great. That would be a kind of a really cool experience. Um, and it's, it was in DC, so I could do it during the semester. Um, so, got to do that in the fall of my of my two all year, but it was really all through um, the career services office, um, you know, at Georgetown. Um, but I knew a lot of people who just kind of, you know, they they met people, they networked, they they sort of, you know, were able to kind of find the people who needed somebody, you know, in their space um, on their own. So definitely a lot of pathways for that.
1: What would you say is your top tip for a current law student?
2: Okay, top tip for current law Mm -hmm. students. And I feel like all of you are so much more on this than, you know, my generation of folks or even, you know, even four years ago, Um, but prioritizing mental health and wellness, top tip for sure, because so much of, and we just talked about this with the why, you know, thing, so much of law school is, you know, going through a very difficult and challenging time. I mean, it's a wonderful growth opportunity because you're learning, you're assimilating information, but you're also going through a huge discovery process of, you know, who am I, what do I want and how do I kind of fit in this legal world? And so that I think requires additional support, um, additional kind of resources and tools um, that I think the legal profession is finally starting to kind of talk about in the open in a way that I haven't seen, um, in the last couple of years. So I'm really excited about that, but whether that means for you, you know, working with your, you know, counselors or, you know, traditional therapy, or if you're more somebody who wants to work with a life coach or, you know, to have your own sort of practice, like in yoga and wellness and things like that. Um, I would highly encourage that because the self-development piece is just as important as all of the content development stuff that you're going through. Um, and I also will say that, it's funny because I I have um, a, you know, a friend slash mentor in the legal space who told me once that everyone she's ever met, you know, everybody who sort of graduated law school has kind of an internal reckoning in the first five years of their practice. It comes at different times and for different reasons. Um, But it's, I think that that makes sense because for the longest time, we really haven't prioritized, you know, mental health and wellness. So the more you can do that now, the better off we're going to be down the road.
1: Yeah, I absolutely have to agree with you on that. You know, we were talking earlier about a professor I had last semester who said in the first five years of his practice, he, you know, had to really come to terms with like burnout and everything, you know, and he has been practicing for 10 years. So that would make total sense, right? It hasn't been talked about. And Yeah, we really do try to open up the conversation about it. So tell us, uh, what would you say are your tips and, you know, your experience with taking the bar exam?
2: Yeah. um, So tips for the bar. I'll start with tips and then go into sort of my experience. So tips for the bar are similar to, um, you know, tips for law school, which is I really strongly believe in a sort of companion mental health and wellness program while you're taking the bar, whatever that means for you. So it could, it could mean that you, you know, you got really into yoga. It could mean that you work with a therapist. It could mean that you just, you know, you love roller skating and you just decide that you're going to roller skate like every day, you know, that's your, that you're just going to do it every day. No exceptions. That's your time. Right. And the reason I say that is because I think it's so important to have connections to yourself, you know, be really connected to your your um your joy you know to your why why you're doing this um you know why you're sort of you know moving through this challenge because even more so than law school in my experience the bar exam is this radical growth opportunity um for you to really kind of, you know, level up in terms of what you're, you know, eventually going to be, uh, you know, facing as a lawyer, like this isn't going to be the last time that you're going to be faced with a challenging situation with new material, you know, with something that you're just going to have to, you know, figure out how to do. And so it's a great opportunity to practice how to do that in sort of a, a loving and a healthy way. And, you know, that's 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 what I think in terms of tips, um, but it's also related to my story and sort of why, you know, I wanted to create a yoga and wellness business and to create sort of a bar exam wellness program in the first place. Um, so uh, I went through the experience of failing the bar exam twice. Um, I had a job here in California at a law firm, um, and I, you know, kind of moved across the country um, to a part of California where I didn't know anybody and didn't really have friends or sort of a support network. And um, you know, I, I was having that sort of internal external battle, if you will, where I was realizing that the things that I wanted internally weren't matching up with the things that I had externally. And of course, you know, that's nothing um, against the, you know, the people at the law firm or, you know, what I was doing, they were wonderful people and it was great work, but it wasn't aligning with sort of the things that I wanted to do when I came in, you know, which was policy and legislative work. And that showed, um, you know, ultimately I, you know, failed the bar twice and the firm that I worked for had a sort of two bar try policy. And so they said, you know, we love you and we love your work, but, you know, we can't, Keep you. You're going to have to find something else, and so that was a, a moment in my life. I like to sort of uh, call that my uh, quarter-life crisis moment because I was 25 when it happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was it was a moment where I, you know, had to decide. Okay, you know, what am I going to do now? Um, and looking back, it was a a really wonderful opportunity for me to come back to myself and to say, okay, who am I? What do I want? Why did I even get into this game in the first place? You know, and where do I want to go next? And so at that point, um, I was feeling really disconnected from my friends. Uh, My family's all back on the East Coast too. Um, And I just thought, you know what? maybe this isn't, you know, the right place for me, especially because I still wanted to practice food law and most of the food law practices in DC. So I just, you know, talking to family and friends, I just decided, I was like, I'm just going to take the bar in DC. Like none of this makes sense, you know, for me sort of going out to California. Um, ultimately when I was, you know, very honest with myself, it was more about me sort of, proving to myself that I was good enough to be a lawyer, you know, worthy enough to practice. Um, and when I realized that, I just thought, no, this is silly. You know, I I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, I'm capable enough. Um, let me go to the place that fits my internal values and sort of what I want to accomplish for myself as an attorney. So I took the bar in DC and I passed, um, which was very exciting. Um, but then the story takes another turn. So, you know, you think from the story I'd end up back in DC and have friends and family and all this good stuff. Um, but it turned out wonderful in another way. So um, while I was waiting for my bar results um, I was in Sacramento where I still am now. And that's the you know, state capital in California. So I just thought, you know what? I'm here. I've always wanted to work in the legislature. The California legislature is like right down the street. I'm going to go apply for an internship. And I got one. And two months later, I got a full-time job and I was able to transition to the job that I wanted when I stepped in the building within a year, which is amazing. And that's where I've been ever since. Um, Not only that, but... (laughs) I also met somebody very special um, who is now my fiancé. So it's one of those things where everything works out, right? Everything works out. I look back on it and I thought, you know, wow, this is, you know, this is definitely not what I thought it was going to be, but Mm -hmm. it worked out the way that I always dreamed of. So, um, so that's, that's why I really think that having something while you're going through the bar is really important because just remembering who you are, why you're here, why you're, you know, why you're going through this, it's sort of a rock you can come back to, to say, I can do this, you know, no matter what this thing throws at me, I'm strong, I'm capable, you know, and I'm going to get to where I want to go. And then from there, it's just about having practices to kind of help you move through those difficult times um, and, you know, just make sure that you're on your game.
1: Absolutely. So you have now,
2: you know, started your own
1: business and you're a working attorney for the legislature of California. Correct. Um, so technically I'm a policy consultant. Uh, with okay. Health, very cool. So yeah. So okay. yeah. So doing policy working and you own your own business. So tell us about this
2: and how you got started and what it's all about. Yeah. So, um, so I uh, decided to start this yoga and wellness business during the pandemic. So a couple, I should probably back up here. Um, I have always enjoyed the practice of yoga. Um, So I used to do it actually as cross training for swimming. I swam competitively in high school and college. So we did yoga and Pilates and, you know, it was great sort of cross training and strength training and and all of that stuff. Um, And then when I moved to California, I kind of got back into it a little more in a way that I I, I hadn't been doing it so much in law school um, because I found a studio that I really loved and um that studio had you know sort of your traditional vinyasa flow classes but it also had um more restorative classes sort of like yin yoga um and and more classes along those lines and i had never practiced yin before and i loved it i just totally fell in love um with sort of the the easeful practice and I just thought to myself, you know what? I really want to be a teacher someday. Like I really want to go through the teacher training um, experience. And at the, in the beginning, it was more just like I want to deepen my practice. I don't necessarily want to teach. But right before the pandemic, in in February of 2020, I took sort of an immersion, sort of Yin Yoga experience, and um, it was it was actually a training course for people who were already teachers, so they could sort of add that certification onto their um, to their larger. Certification, Um, but I could just take it, so I did, and it was so much fun. I was like, "This is awesome! I totally want to do teacher training this summer." And then the pandemic hit, and I was like, "Oh no, what am I going to do?" So there came a point, of course, where you know everybody's in lockdown and you know stir crazy, and how do we exercise? And I thought, you know what, maybe this is a good time to do a yoga teacher training. I wonder if there are any teacher trainings online. And so I found one, I found one that was really, you know, high quality, had great videos and great, you know, uh, teaching. We'd meet up every, like maybe twice a week, three times a week and kind of talk with everyone. Um, and, uh, I, I was able to become a yoga teacher during that time, um, just the 200 hour. And then I loved it so much. I did like a second more advanced 300 hour training. Cause it was just, it was so fun. Um, so it was during that time that I decided to start this yoga and wellness business. Um, and I really wanted to focus on, you know, serving people in the legal profession because I noticed of all of my friends that for whatever reason um, and sort of colleagues and stuff, um, people in the legal world were feeling this really intensely. Um, and again, maybe it's just because that's that's my sort of set of friends. Um, but even opposed to other people, I just noticed it hitting lawyers and, you know, people in this world in a really tough way. And I just thought, you know what, this is probably an opportunity, you know, to focus more on the mental wellness stuff, the emotional wellness stuff, you know, and I, I really want to be able to give back. Um, plus I had always been thinking about given my own experience with the bar exam. I was always thinking about what can I do to kind of help support other people going through the bar exam, you know um, whether they're the first time takers or repeat takers We really don't talk about bar exam wellness. It's just sort of like, here's your Barbary or, you know, whatever, like, good luck, you know? So, so that's when I decided to start the business was in the fall of, um, of 2020 and, you know, have built out some various offerings for, for lawyers. Um, but then really heavily focused on, on the bar exam program, um, because that was the thing I really wanted to, to give back. Um, so there was a lot of fun. We ran the program for the first time, or I ran the program for the first time this summer, um, got some great feedback and I think it really, really helped, you know, some people. So, um, yeah. So that's, it was during the pandemic that all of this kind of started.
1: (laughs) I feel like so many different ideas came to fruition during the pandemic, just because like you said, now I have time. I can sit here and do the 200 and then 300 hour class. So no, I totally understand what you're saying. What was the uh, summer class and summer program for the bar exam takers this summer? Like,
2: yeah so um so there are a couple of different components um to the bar exam program and I'm I'm sort of like you know revamping and adding course, and, you course, know yeah. stuff all the time but um a couple of different components so um one is you know a couple of sort of one-on-one you know sessions with me so you know that's that's something where you know if you have you know something you want to work on whether it's you know you want to work on sort of like yoga, you want to work on sort of, you know, breathing exercises, that kind of thing. Um, That's part of the the program. Um, Another part of the program, which um, I thought was really successful um, was uh, four sort of workshops throughout the summer. So one of the things that I noticed in my own bar experience and kind of like, you know, watched, you know, as my students were going through it and wanted to kind of tailor, you know, opportunities for them is that, the bar exam is something where you kind of aren't in the same emotional state throughout, right? You know, they're yeah. they're different, they're different points Dangerous. where you- Right. They're different yeah. stages, right? And and each stage, I think, requires, you know, a different sort of mentality and, you know, I thought maybe a different set of tools. Okay. Um, so there are four sort of um bar exam workshops that wellness workshops you can go through throughout the summer um at different pressure points, those points where you know change is most intense, if you will. Um, there's one for the beginning, um, where it's sort of like, let's set your framework, you know, let's let's give you know some good ideas for how to think about this, let's give some good practices to think about this. If you're familiar with the eight limbs of yoga um, that's a wonderful sort of framework for kind of talking about, you know, things that you can be thinking about for yourself and, and ways to kind of, you know, connect with yourself in a loving and kind way, you know, as you move through this experience. Um, there's a point at like the end of June, early July, um, where people start saying like, you know what, I, I really don't want to talk about the bar exam. You know, <laughs> like, don't ask me about it. Like, I don't want to talk about it. Um, and so there's a workshop for that where it's like, okay, you know, you don't have to talk about it with anybody, but you should be talking with yourself about it. So, here are some tools for you to do that. <laughs> um, the third workshop is more focused on the exam itself. So, this year um, the exam was remote, but even in a non remote environment, you're obviously, you know, you have moments when you're in the exam, or you can have moments when you're in the exam where It's just like, you know, you're typing, you're typing, and then you kind of get nervous or you're like, oh no, what do I do? What do I do? So practices to help kind of, you know, calm you down. Or maybe if you're feeling tired to help kind of raise your energy. Um, If you walk out of a question from the exam where you're like, you know what, I didn't do my best, but I kind of want to reset. How can I do that? you can do that. Um, or if you're just like, I just, I did amazing on that section. I want to keep this going. You know, then there's the practices for that. So practices for sort of in the exam um, and then practices for this round, they had, um, you know, like breaks, they had um like 30 minute breaks um, between the essay sections. So practices for 10 or 15 minute practices for that as well. And then the last um, workshop is actually after the bar exam, because this is also something we don't talk about is that, you know, if you take the exam, you like, you study yep. for 10 weeks, you know, you mm-hmm. take the exam and then you walk out of there and you're like, what happened? And exactly. And also, like, I have to wait months to yeah. find out if I passed. Like, what? So <laughs> there's sick. a, workshop. it's like a sick joke. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. You're like, I want my results now. <laughs> um, so there's also a workshop at the end that kind of focuses on, okay, you know, let's come down. Let's kind of, you know, take a moment to process everything that you went through because that was a pretty intense experience. Um, And then here are some tools to help you, you know, kind of deal with the waiting and the anxiety that comes with that in the next couple of months. Um, So that's sort of part two of the program. And then um, part three is focused on um, just journaling prompts. It's really interesting, but i found, um, that, uh, a lot of the, um, students in the program were just like, so excited about journaling. They were like, yeah, let's do it. Um, so what I did is I, you know, instead of just sort of, you know, your general sort of you know, journaling prompts, I tied it into that eight limbs of yoga. There are, um, the two first limbs focus on sort of, um, principles or ways to like, kind of interact with yourself, interact with others. Um, and so I kind of tied it in, in an educational way and it's wonderful mm-hmm. because there are uh, 10 of them total. So you get one for each week of the 10 week program. Um, and then, awesome. you know, you can kind of like work on that that week or, you know, see what sort of resonates for you. Um, so yeah, that's the program.
1: That sounds amazing. I definitely want to be a part of that this next summer for sure.
0: Woo. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I think that the journaling, I, I feel like I'm like the nerds, like, you know, everybody out there, we, we <laughs> in the law school realm, right? Sorry. <laughs> we want to do stuff, uh, in busy work. Like, you know, we, the journaling, like, yay, journaling, you know, because we're just doing such hard work studying yeah then I think just simply sitting down with your thoughts and thinking through it and kind of just giving yourself a chance to decompress for 10 weeks like you need it that all all 10 weeks you know so I think that's awesome that that worked out perfectly for the program
0: and I also feel like you could take
2: that practice you know those 10 weeks and continue it on after that absolutely Absolutely. And that's something that I try to, you know, try to say as well, you know, in the program is it's, you know, you get access to the it's some of this is recorded, right? So you get access to that, you know, forever, Um, because yeah. I believe in that. Um, yeah. and, and the idea is, you know, it doesn't just, you know, stop here, you can take these skills, and you can apply them, you know, in your life as a practicing attorney. And again, at that point, it's sort of like, you know, everybody needs something, you know, so it's it's an investment in your future as well. You know, it's, it's your present for the bar, but it's also an investment in the future. And the first year of being a lawyer as well, you know, or, you know, whatever sort of profession you decide to go down out of law school, um, it's pretty intense because it's transitioned from, you know, being in school, you know, and sort of studying and taking tests and all that stuff to, you know, actually practicing and learning the law. And, the old joke of, you know, the LSAT doesn't prepare you for law school, law school doesn't prepare you for the bar, the bar doesn't prepare you for actual practice. I mean, unfortunately, at this point in time, it's true. So, so knowing, so knowing how to kind of move through those, those, those challenging points um, for you, I found to be really important. Awesome.
1: So what do you, or what kind of programs do you have for current lawyers or do you have anything for law students?
2: Yeah. So this is the part of my business that I'm currently like revamping. Um, mm-hmm. So I I originally started with kind of like a membership and, you know, private one-on-ones. Um, but I found a lot of joy in working with sort of a program model, you know, mm-hmm. because it was sort of like, this is cool. I get to like work with people for a period of time and like, you know, they get to like feel like they've accomplished something and they get a win. And I want to do that, you know, for, for lawyers. Um, So I'll give you a sneak peek. I am in the process of developing a um, maybe a short, like three or four day sort of workshop for lawyers um, that focuses on giving them, you know, kind of like, uh, sort of a crash course in, in yoga and wellness for them so that they can go out and just kind of, you know, practice on their own whenever they need it. Because the whole point of this for me, um, you know, isn't necessarily the time on the mat. I mean, that's, that's wonderful and that's good, but it's the changes you can see in your life outside of it where you can take something you learned on the mat with you. So. Yes. I really want to be able to, you know, to give that experience, you know, to give that knowledge um, to lawyers. And I mean, oftentimes lawyers find themselves, you know, find themselves in situations where they're like, I really want to go to this yoga class and this spin class, but I just don't have time. I can't. So mm-hmm. being able to do it for yourself, you know, is so empowering. Um, oh. And so that's actually what I'm working on right now. And I will be uh, hopefully running for the first time in November. So. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, well,
0: definitely let us know when that's out because I think so many people need to take that crash course and <laughs> to, like, send it to people on LinkedIn like, you should take this, yeah, you should right? take this.
2: That's awesome. That's really kind.
1: <laughs> it's also something that we, as you know, try to preach wellness and mental health and emotional intelligence and all those things. I feel like something like this is so important for you as you go out, just like we were talking about the reckoning that you might have as, as you in your five, first five years, first 10 years of practice, you know, like sometimes you're just going to need that little reset. I just need a reminder. I need, I need a reminder of what I can do to take care of myself. And like you said, lawyers are always saying they never have enough time. So a quick session with and learning like oh that's what I needed is probably not
0: having to rely on anyone else but yourself yes that too
1: obviously yes that's a huge huge part because like you said we don't have time to schedule a class drive to the class go to the
2: class you know right Right. So. Absolutely. And I mean, it, it, it's it been so transformative in my own life too to be able to say, okay, I understand now how my nervous system works. And I understand, you know, that these practices are going to help, you know, kind of calm me down and these ones are going to wrap me up. And so again, you have that sort of, um, you know, you have that, uh, comfort. I want to say in knowing that this is a, you know, this is a practice that actually works, you know, there's like science behind it, right. (laughs) You know, so you can be like, cool, I'm doing something that is actually, you know, going to help me not just intellectually, but then you can feel it, you know, physically as well. Absolutely. Okay. So
1: question, you said that you're barred in DC. Mm -hmm. So how does that work since you live in California working, you know, do you have to use your license for what you do? And tell us a little bit about that because I'm sure there are some people out there that are interested in doing what you do.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So my job um does not require a legal license. You know, I do not I do not practice. um, And in fact, uh in the legislature we are forbidden from practicing, even if you work barred in California, that's that's not what we do. We do policy and legislation. Um, So that piece of it isn't isn't necessarily relevant um, for me. But for people who are barred in different, you know, states than they live. I mean, we're starting to see that so much now. I mean, especially with the pandemic and people kind of moving around. Um, But even in the last few years, I've seen, you know, sort of like uh, nomad lawyers pop up, if you will, you know, people who are kind of traveling around and they're still practicing. Um, So one of the things that I've been keeping an eye on is sort of what you can do, you know, in those situations. Um, And there are a lot of areas of federal practice, right? You know, So if you want to practice immigration, um, if you want to do sort of like trademarks um, and copyright stuff, I am actually, uh, you know, another sort of tidbit. I'm actually in the process of starting uh, my own small trademark practice right now. Very cool. Yeah, because I sort of missed the, the more traditional, like legal, you know, practice and thought, you know what? Why not? I've seen other people do it. I can do it. Um, yeah. And so for that, I mean logistics for that, it, I think there are a lot of people out there now who are sort of talking about how to do that. But um, at that point, it just becomes kind of like finding a virtual office space in the place where you're, you know, where you're barred, um, kind of setting up your, you know, your business to just kind of focus around that. Um and then as long as you have sort of a federal practice or you know, there there are other rules out there and waivers specific to different practices, right? You know, you'd have to do your homework. Um, but it's possible. And I think that, you know, I think that uh, hopefully we're sort of moving in that direction as a profession, right? I mean, we, we've we obviously seen um, the rise of the, um, the UBE and, you know, the, that kind of thing, you know, but I'm hoping that, you know, someday soon we get to a place where it's just a national, you know, license, right? Because we are moving around, you know, we are kind of changing our lifestyles. Um, and it'd be cool, I think, if the profession sort of evolved with that change
0: absolutely i totally agree with that i would love that just to be able to pick up and move to you know where you want wherever go. i wanted to go wherever right. your
1: your partner or you have a job opportunity you know it's just another hurdle the bar exam and the licensure that we have to go through and i yeah that would be really cool and i i i think that there's potentiality for it just because the way people talk about the bar exam and the UBE and mm-hmm. we're having more and more states adopt it but California is still out there on their own. (laughs) so that's not Yeah. So it's like, dang it. I, you're like, I don't want to do this again.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It's, I I think California will probably be the last holdout. I I agree. I agree. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Dana. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. So can you tell everybody where they can find you and if they want to join your programs or learn more
2: about your yoga practice and everything? Yeah, totally. So a couple of different homes. So for the yoga and wellness stuff, you can find me at um, journeyandpractice.com or you can find me on both Instagram and Pinterest at journeyandpractice. Um, And then if you're interested in the new uh, law firm, you can find me on Instagram at danashakeresq or danashaker.com.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us. And you know, I'm so excited now to like do yoga and stuff. I like want to no, do it. I, I'm, I'm like, gonna have, I'm yeah. definitely implementing that in yeah. my study summer like, okay.
2: yeah. Yay! Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. This has been so fun. Yes. All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care.
1: Well, guys. I hope that you enjoyed that episode with Dana as much as we did. I know that she has so much insight into yoga and just all the aspects around yoga. I know when she was saying a few words, I've heard of it, but I don't really know a ton about it. So if you are interested or you're a big yogi, then she's the girl you should reach out to and become friends with and follow and chat with because not only is she a lawyer, but she's also really big into the spiritual and journey and mindset of yoga and that whole aspect of well-being and it's just really cool so i can't wait to potentially have her lead us in a yoga session soon
0: yes guys and we are definitely going to try to get her on the instagram for you guys and maybe we can do a little yoga sesh all together i think that would be really fun so Follow us on our Instagram at ladies who law school podcast. If you want to check out who we have on our Instagram lives, you know, since Haley and I are basically pros at that now. So um, like us on Facebook. Uh, Also guys, we're at 1500 members on our Facebook group. So I think we should try to get to like 2000. It's a bunch of you guys. So definitely join that. Obviously all the links are below. Yes. And
1: Please guys be safe out there. I know a lot of crazy stuff's been happening, you know, with life and health and also just it's scary out there. So keep your head on a swivel, use the buddy system, be kind to each other. And we'll talk to you again next week.
0: Yes. And if you ever need someone to talk to feel free to reach out to us. Of course. All right, guys. Bye. Bye.